Tú conoces a tu auto mejor que nadie. ¿Y quién mejor que tú para echarle mano cuando lo necesita? ¿No tienes las herramientas? AutoZone te las presta. Se llama Loanatool. Y lo mejor de todo, es gratis. Con Loanatool, AutoZone te presta una gran variedad de herramientas para trabajos de mofle, frenos, motor, aire acondicionado y mucho más. Cuenta con AutoZone para encontrar las herramientas que te hacen falta. En AutoZone te damos lo que necesitas. Restricciones y detalles en la tienda. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Bucks presented by Brewhoop.com. Frank Madden and Eric Name joining you. It's late Sunday night. Uh, we'll be publishing this on Monday. And we're going to talk about, shockingly enough, the Bucks uh, back-to-back games here over the weekend. Saturday night, they beat the Nets. Just barely 110-108 at the BMO Harris Bradley Center. Followed up less than 24 hours later in Detroit, uh, lose 98 to 83. Uh, really, were kind of on the back foot most of that game. Uh, got it to 62-60 at one point. Sort of had some things going a little bit in the third quarter, but um, just got worn out. And uh, well, let's let's I guess step back a little bit, um, Eric. First off, how are you doing? You you survived a big Wisconsin sports weekend with the Badgers and Packers, and I guess you were just working the the World Series game. Are you are you do you still have energy, any energy left? Uh, I got a little bit uh, there. I wouldn't say there's something for like the Bucks aren't firing me up, but there's a lot of interesting <laughs> things about this Bucks team that I don't know if it. You're you're hot. I'm not sure wh- where I am on the scale, but it is making <laughs> me feel something. So we should talk about it. The hot take cannon has been uh, has been getting prepped all weekend. Um, so I we can talk in kind of high, high level, uh, you know, view. Of, we've had three games now, so obviously we're we're still very much in uh, early uh, early you know small sample size land. But uh, I think we're seeing a team that kind of looks a lot like the team last year in terms of uh, some of the struggles of you know not playing with a lot of tempo not shooting that many threes, not making many threes, um, you know, and, and obviously the, the one big difference is you don't have Chris Middleton. So I guess depending on whether you want to try to find a silver lining here, you could be saying, <laughs> well, hey, they're, they're looking like last year and they're not even they don't even have one of their best players. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think you, you have to expect better because realistically, you know, we're now in the third year of the Jason Kidd tenure in Milwaukee. Uh, obviously, a number of these key players have been around for for two, three years plus now um and uh, let's start with the tempo question because you know we we did that whole thing where we talked about for the season and jason kidd was talking about playing faster and you know miles Pullman was talking about running more pick and rolls and of course you know more more three pointers and blah 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 and i'm not seeing it i'm not i'm not seeing a team that that you know unless there's a a, a steal you know at the three-point arc right where every team whether you're an nba team or you know a middle school intramural team every team's going to run off that um <laughs> but i'm not really seeing any any you know as you were saying the other day if you want to really be a, a high you know fast tempo team then you have to run off makes as well i mean this team just doesn't have any real urgency to run and get easy baskets do they i mean and, and i guess we can talk about how problematic that is given their lack of half court uh, creativity and offense but uh, i don't know what are you are you should we be shocked eric Urgency is a fantastic word there, Frank. I, w- I would say 
if there's one thing this team lacks in just about every sense, it is urgency. And whether or not I should, we should be surprised. I don't know if I can answer that question, uh, that we should or shouldn't be surprised. One thing that has surprised me is that it seems like Giannis and Jabari are two of the guys that don't really care about pushing the tempo. And like you said, if there's a steal, yes, sure. They're going to go get some, some transition points. They're going to go get a dunk, but if it's a rebound, they're not pushing. If it's a make, they're definitely not pushing. And I, I tweeted out the the video, and I think you retweeted it as well. But there was just a sequence in the fourth quarter. Bucks were playing wellish. It was when Rashad Vaughn was hitting his threes, and I think they took a five point lead. It's like ninety eight, ninety three. Ball comes off the rim, goes to Jabari, or no, somehow maybe Henson grabs the rebound, hands it off to Jabari. And Jabari and Giannis literally, I don't want to say walk because they were maybe, maybe Jabari jog. was doing like a fake, a fake jog. Yeah. <laughs> like no, fake, like you're at, like you're at a jog. crosswalk and you see someone. Exactly. So you're like faking like, oh yeah, yep, yep. I'm, I'm really hustling here. Like you pump your arms a little bit. Uh, that was probably about the extent of, of their hustle on that one and how, how fast those two were pushing it. And I just remember thinking to myself, Good God, what is this? I, I was told that these two guys wanted to run all the time. They wanted to be up and down. They wanted to get this thing moving. They wanted to go out and get dunks. They wanted to move the ball. And I'm seeing these two young, exciting players walk up the floor. And uh, it. I guess before we started recording, I, I had to ask you, I was like, do you think this is a mandate from, from Jason Kidd? Do you think this is just both those guys trying to figure out what they what they have to do each night with a larger with a larger role because they certainly have both stepped into larger roles and i don't i don't know i i just can't really comprehend why i would see those two guys play like that it it, it just boggles my mind yeah it's weird um i mean trying to think it through you know, you were asking kid at the presser, uh, I don't know if it was Saturday, I think it was Saturday, um, you know, about, about Giannis and, and, uh, you know, his, his, um, energy level on both ends. And, uh, you know, kid had the comment about, uh, uh, you know, that you can't take plays off defensively. And, you know, so part of me was thinking, well, maybe, you know, part of this is just, I think we've talked about this before that, that Giannis sometimes walks it up the court offensively because he just doesn't have, you know, he wants to catch his breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's okay at times, but it, it's just kind of weird because that is the one area where Giannis and Jabari in particular have an advantage uh, over every team. And again, not, not that you can push the pace and get a layup every time down the no. court. I mean, you can't, you know, it's not going to work every time. But, but getting into your offense early, uh, especially when you don't have a bunch of, you know, three-point shooters who can just jack up shots, um, early in the clock, you know, getting across half court, getting your timeline. I mean, we talked about this a year ago. Jason Kidd talked about, you know, that they 21. were trying to get MCW to get, yeah, to get across half court and get into offense early. And that's what good teams do. I mean, yep. you know, the, the good teams don't tend to just walk it up the court, um, you know, in the second quarter of a game when they're, you know, losing or whatever. Um, and especially, you know, a team like the Bucks that just doesn't have a lot of, you know, obvious weapons or, you know, certainly their offensive arsenal in the half court has not really blown anybody away. Um, 
you know, you, you would hope that there'd be more urgency. So I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, um, I guess you could say if you're not a great team, you would want to lower the number of possessions in a game. <laughs> like, yeah. Analytically, like, you know, maybe the, 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 there's something to that, but that that's not really, a, I don't find that a very heartening answer when obviously offensively you want to play to your strengths and, and clearly playing more of a grinded out style is, um, is not to uh, to their strengths. I mean, to, just for reference, I mean, you know, three games in, it's a very early period. They're fifteenth in pace, and again, we always say, you know, pace is, uh, you know, a sort of a descriptive stat that doesn't tell you everything about how a team plays. It's in terms of speed and things like that, and you don't necessarily need to play at a high pace to have good tempo. I would say, um, and in their first two games, the Bucks actually did outscore their opponents in transition. Um, Charlotte, I think it was 16 to four, which is really impressive. I mean, their transition defense actually was surprisingly good. But um, in in Detroit, you know, there were a few times where, you know, it, Smith just decided, I'm going to get the ball up the court quickly and I'm going to go at the defense and created good looks on threes. And, um, you know, not necessarily for him to get layups, but a couple of times as well, the Bucks just, you know, it was almost like the guys stopped at the foul line getting back. And then, you know, the Pistons just beat them easily for, for layups. So, I, so yeah, it's it's troubling. I don't I don't know if there's anything else to say on that. I, um, I, I I guess the one thing too is that I I just watch these other teams play offense, and I see the Bucks try to defend two, three, even sometimes four different actions within a single possession. So so what I mean by that is, let's say the Nets get it across at twenty one on the shot clock. They immediately swing it to the wing, get into a pick and roll. That pick and roll doesn't work. They bounce it out, pass it to someone else, 13 seconds on the clock. They get another attack, another pick and roll, another screen. Doesn't work. Kick it out. Six seconds left on the clock. And then there's another action that they're running at the end of the shot clock. And with the Bucks, the thing that's so disheartening about how slow they run it up is that both Giannis and Jabari are trying to figure out how to be playmakers. So you want to give them more opportunities to do that. You want to you want it to be an option for them that, hey, I didn't find anything on this first pick and roll, on this first handoff. Let me dribble this out, knowing that we still have 15 seconds left, and pass it somewhere else, and then we can get another action. And it, there's a startling number of possessions where the Bucks just get one chance. <laughs> just one chance. It, it, the ball's dribbled up. Slowly, they get across to around 18, 17, somewhere in there, dribble over to the side, throw it to the elbow, and then by the time someone gets a touch to the elbow, there's nine seconds left on the shot clock, and they're into end-of-the-shot-clock mode. And it's just such a wasteful possession. There's nothing good about it. And on top of that, it adds more pressure onto those guys to create. So you're you're just creating a system and an environment that – just doesn't work for them and and you wonder why Giannis and Jirai don't look as good and you wonder why they're pressing and it's because they're not in an environment where they're not allowed to press that they they really do have to create something in those attacks in those in those possessions in that action they have to create something and it, it just seems like such a a stressful environment for both of them to try to grow and develop as playmakers. Do we need to create a safe place for them, safe space for them <laughs> as, as playmakers? Uh, let's talk about them a little bit. Um, 
Jabari is kind of been, I mean, he just really hasn't gotten on track in any of these three games. He's kind of put up, ironically, sort of like very consistent kind of uh, numbers around his season averages of last year, although with um, his shooting percentage have been down uh, to, you know, tonight, 6 of 16 against the Pistons. So he actually got shots up. But, it, you know, we, we talked about, <laughs> we talked about how, uh, you know, in preseason, we really weren't seeing a different Parker maybe he was taking some more threes um, but really still getting to the rim and dunking and finishing around the basket more than anything and you know we saw it against the Pistons a team that is you know an above average defensive team uh, for the most part Uh, he was basically just trying to play bully ball and you know worked a couple times but uh, but that's a hard way to make a living just sort of playing iso bully ball basketball and, you know, I have not seen baseline Bari make any appearances this year. No. Right. Has, 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 I don't think he's had any chances where he was just sort of waiting on the baseline and finishing that way. Um, you know, he's pretty much having to do everything himself. And that's makes life very difficult for him, especially because he seems, you know, very much in the same mode as ever afraid to, you know, take any kind of jumper um, until tonight. I think he took a couple later in the game, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know. So it's very difficult. And Giannis did take uh, a few jump shots in the third quarter, including hitting a three, hit a couple jumpers in the third quarter of that Pistons game. Um, on the, against the Nets, I think he took a three, but other than that, uh, and a, maybe an early jumper, but other than that, he was basically just dunking everything. And, you know, the Pist- or the Nets just didn't have enough, you know, rim protection to really stop him for the most part. Um, but it's sort of a, you know, kind of a, a concerning thing a little bit because, I mean, Giannis is still putting up great numbers, right? I mean, Jabari, yeah. you worry about his numbers. Giannis is, I think, averaging you know, 23, 9, and 5 right now. That's okay. So, uh, so Giannis is going to get his. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of saw it a little bit with Detroit when they, you know, they formed their effing wall, uh, especially <laughs> as the second half wore on, and, and it just became... Just became extremely different. I mean, you know, that you just can't again just bully your way to the hoop. And um, you know, Giannis in particular, he seems like weirdly, it's like he wants to. It's like layup or bust when he's going to the basket, and it seems a little strange. I mean, I like the fact that he obviously he's he's looking to make plays and passes and things like that. But um, you know, we were talking before the the, the game that we have seen Delhi start to have some success with with role men, um, either passing or or finishing off floaters uh but it's kind of weird because Giannis hasn't at all I mean we've seen him do it in the past a little bit but you know Giannis should be able to just pull up from you know inside 10 feet and get an uncontested um little push shot or you know baby hook shot pretty much whenever he wants it yeah and he never looks for it it's kind of weird uh and you kind of wonder maybe that's the shot he should be looking for rather than just assuming I mean, you know, either he's shooting jumpers or or, or getting layups. But I, I don't know. I mean, pick pick one of those guys. What what are you seeing with them, and and what might we need from them to uh, to to get better, other than uh, a different offense? Uh, I think one of the things that I found really interesting was the very first possession of this Pistons game. Giannis catches at the top of the key, throws a shot fake out, and Tobias Harris bites on it. Giannis takes one dribble and takes a pull-up jumper. And if I was the Bucks coaching staff, I would would cut that clip and show it on show it to Giannis and Jabari on repeat. That everyone knows Giannis can't shoot. Everyone. And yet, a shot fake, triple threat, got someone to bite. 
And again, it's not going to work every time. And there's going to be, it's going to get to a point where teams don't respect your jump shot. That's fine. But just the idea that on the very first play of the game, the moment you should be most locked in, the moment you should have the scouting report freshest in your mind, someone bit on a shot fake from Giannis Atetokounmpo. Like, that should tell those two, all right, guys, slow down. At least pretend to be a threat from those other places. Your, your jump shot isn't falling, but if you at least show that to the defense, they they might not respect it, but there is going to be guys where just reactionary, you're going to respect it. And I think, like you said, it's so much catching the ball and just immediately going to the rack. And it's with Jabari, I think that's a big thing too. I know Marcus Johnson broke it down maybe in the second quarter at some point where he showed just how far underneath some of these screens these guys are going. And every single time those two are still catching on the run and not even realizing how open they both already are. And I think a lot of people would say that Jabari is a talented enough shooter that just step into it and hit that shot. Um, So I I think that's a big thing. One thing I've wondered with Giannis is I know we heard talk during media day that uh, a lot of his summer was spent on teaching him the finer skills of playmaking and trying to see the floor and putting him out on a court with four or five coaches, whatever it may be, and just running through options and where people should be. And and I think there's been times where he, he gets a step into it and rather than being reactionary, he's thinking and, and he's trying to think, okay, I took this dribble, so that means I should have a skip to the opposite side or I should have a shooter coming over here on the right side. And I think it might have taken away a little bit from – just his natural reactions, his natural abilities as a point guard. Uh, And I guess with the offense in general, it just seems, and again, I didn't love the corner series and I didn't love a lot of the things they did offensively, but it seemed like they either had more purpose or more urgency or understood what was happening. Like when I watch another team play, it'll be, all right, pick and roll, that pick and roll didn't work. Skip it over to this side, right into another pick and roll. And with the Bucks, it always seems like it's a pass, then stand, and then one of the big men figures out like, oh, I should come up and pick and roll. And there's just there's just no snap to it. It's not immediate. It's everyone thinking through where should I go. And I guess you have two new lead playmakers. You're trying to figure some things out, but. It, for the most part, I think you might have tweeted something out about this over the weekend, um, but it does just seem like everyone's trying to figure out where they should be, and that's not that's not something you want to see uh, on an NBA court. In practice, that can happen, but once you get to the game, everyone should understand where they need to be and what they need to be doing. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, uh, Mitch Nellis um, had tweeted at me asking if it was unfair – and, and I hadn't said anything when he just he just tweeted at me, you know, hey, is it you think it's unfair to be really mad about the Bucks lack of energy against uh, the Hornets? And, you know, I, I think when you think about it, um, you know, energy gets thrown around so much. It's such a throwaway, you know, use of or, or explanation for why one mm-hmm. team loses and one team wins. And I think there is something to it. I think fundamentally, sometimes teams do come out with with more energy, you know, quote unquote energy that they play with, with more, you know, 
explosiveness, athleticism. They they just sort of like are more engaged. But I think a lot of it too is has to do, especially defensively. You know, when you think about it, if you know exactly where your teammates are going to be and you know exactly what you're supposed to do, it's a lot easier to play with you know at top speed, right? And you know, it's one thing if you're playing one on one to bring quote unquote energy, but if you're having to hedge pick and rolls and certain ways and show and recover and you know switch this way but not that way well all these different things if you don't really if you're not sure of that you know if you can't be decisive in that you're gonna look less energetic to to people like us who are just sort of watching basketball and saying oh why didn't that guy you know sprint out with more certainty or why was that guy not ready for that right so so i think that there's some of that going i think that's more of a defensive thing i think offensively um you know, it, it's it's a little bit different, um, but it does feel like it. You know, it's it's almost like it's almost like they're just sort of like you know, there there are times where you know it's like two passes to get to an you know they then they try to make like the entry pass to the guy uh, you know, and I was joking about you know that the Bucks spend twenty to twelve seconds trying to make a contested entry pass to a guy twenty five feet from the basket. Um, yeah. And they do this for a lot of different guys. Last year was Monroe, who was like comically, you know, these corner series, um, they would they would just, you know, bludgeon this to death. And it was just like it seemed like nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. The defenses were constantly overplaying. And, you know, it kind of kind of part of me wonders, like, well, when defenses are like overplaying, you know, guys like Giannis or Jabari, I mean, you got to like, I mean, throw a back cut in there at some point you know yeah. like i don't know do, do something a little different um you know plumley actually had a nice pass i think to snell early in this game on a nice cut yep. but we're not seeing you know the bucks I, i'd have to look it doesn't feel like the bucks are getting many baskets off cuts which they did all all of last season so um so it just seems like stuff's just kind of grinding uh grinding to a halt but um but yeah i mean you know right now i was looking at the stats for three games 24th in offense 19th in defense i mean I don't see how this team, based on the way that they play and the personnel, I mean, we said it before the season, I, I don't see how this team, especially without Middleton, can be any good offensively. I think this is they're kind of doomed to be well below average offensively. I think the, the X factor to me was like, do they figure out some way you know, to to be an average or better defensive team, um, and you know, so far they haven't done that either. Uh, you know, still having problems on the defensive boards and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think it's just that's probably what a lot of the frustration people see is that you know it just feels like more of the same. And obviously, you know, Jason Kidd and, and company had a, a summer to think about what went right and wrong last year. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't seem like you know. I mean, yeah, there's some new guys as well, but I mean you know, they haven't overhauled anything, right? Um, you know, watch watch the Nets, right? <laughs> Kenny Atkinson, he's a brand new head coach. He's got, you know, a, a whole roster full of new guys. And, you know, I think I was really impressed with the way that they played and, and sort of the, um, you know, just the tempo they played at. And, you know, they, they're not that talented, but, but you know, they've been in every game that they played, including beating a good Indiana team. So um, you just hope that the Bucks figure out some way to show some of that same urgency. Um, let's talk say, about I, I something. Was, something. I, 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 okay, go ahead. I, I was gonna, otherwise, say, I was. Gonna, I wanted to get to something good, but finish oh, it. Finish it. We thought. Jeez. Well, yeah. Let's just skip. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I guess one, we really should have started off this podcast with a quick disclaimer: like you're watching a not great basketball team. Uh, I think Bucks fans should understand that 
if you had any doubts about how good this basketball team was, if you thought it was a 41-win team, I pray no one thought it was a 45-win team without Chris Middleton, but if you did think it was a 500 team, hopefully these three games have brought you back down to reality because uh, they're, they're not a, a very good basketball team. So I think that should be a disclaimer at all points. And you brought up the personnel, and yeah, there's not a lot of great players on this team. And the ones, and even some of the ones that are good don't fit well together. And some of the ones that are good don't have enough playing time to get onto the floor, uh, speaking of the centers. So there's a lot of things about this roster that don't make sense. So I almost feel like I'm a bit disappointed in myself that we didn't put this disclaimer at the start of this podcast yeah and and sunday i mean they're playing on less than than 24 hours rest as well so i mean that that you know and and i i hate the term schedule loss um but certainly from what we know about this team i mean you know um as you know i think we were both you know our view is that this is a you know 30 low 30s maybe upside to be mid 30s high 30s type team um and hopefully they'll improve on both ends obviously we're we're very early in the season season but uh but yeah i mean this is you know i mean the pistons are a better team than them like is yep. anybody going to debate that and they're playing on the road and they're playing on a on a really short window back to back so um you know that you're just going to get games like that i think probably the more frustration is just you know that they really haven't put together a, a game that was convincing yet and and that's obviously including the win over over the nets who um you know really stretched them uh, about as far as you can take um I was going to say one thing that um, was positive was Rashad Vaughn, the whipping boy of <laughs> Bucks Nation. Um, and I think of that, uh, I think there's that gif that, that Eric Benning and Aaron Johannes made of, of Aaron in in one of their th- uh, no, post-game things me. last year. He with was Aaron. with me. Oh, that was with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. And Aaron was just like, just shoot it. <laughs> shoot the damn ball, just Rashad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's basically what he did on Saturday night. And uh, he did it better than he's ever done it uh, in the NBA before six to 12 from three uh, six of the bucks eight threes and scored a career high 22 points and you know by far the the best game he's had as a pro um, I mean to me I said in the preview you know I mean I, there wasn't any rocket science to this it's not like Rashad you know developed a, a complete game uh, <laughs> overnight I mean he just basically took threes and he made them and, and that was really encouraging um, I think on Sunday he tried to do some stuff that wasn't three point shots and didn't look particularly good doing yeah. it. Um, did have three steals on, on Sunday. Um, but that's a positive, right? He gets his option picked up sort of right at the bell or well, not at the bell. You could have done it today too, but pretty close. Um, you know, the bucks, the bucks waited, uh, they pick up his option. Uh, and you know, Tony Snell's been brought in to replace him. Tony Snell still hasn't hit a three pointer. I think he's Oh, five and two games now from three. Uh, uh, Steve Von Horn's uh, doves are ready to be released. They're <laughs> starting to get past the expiration date. Um, but uh, Rashad Vaughn hit some threes. That's good, right? That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason why people have gotten so frustrated is they they see that game that he has and think, was that that hard, Rashad? Like, come on, man. You... Oh yeah, they'll get you open threes. You just gotta hit them. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people's frustrations with Rashad kind of lie in that. That it seems like a simple role in something that you should be able to do. And 
it, I mean, it is relatively easy. Um, I, I don't think they're expecting a ton out of him defensively or really offensively other than to sit around the perimeter and make threes. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he – what did he do? He hit one on on Sunday, I think. Uh, one three, yeah. He hit one three, and then I think he maybe added another basket or two. Uh, so it it's just going to be – I don't know. It, it's – seeing that game – you part of me almost wishes that that game wouldn't have happened. So I would have never known that he has that in him. Uh, so <laughs> like at this point, like that's I, like the most defeatist thing I've ever heard. It, you were, and you were a Rashad Vaughn uh, defender. I back was, in the day, so I, I most certainly was. Uh, so I don't know. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to see There's certainly an opportunity for him there. There's no doubt about that. That opportunity is going to continue at the shoot, shooting guard position. Uh, that's not going anywhere this season. So if he wants to take some minutes from Snell, he can certainly do that. Uh, so, so we'll have to see what he, what he can do the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to make of Snell yet. As I said, hasn't hit a three pointer yet. Um, has had that, you know, typical bucks player pension of, uh, taking a step inside the arc before he takes the jump shot, which, uh, as you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, so we'll see how things go. I think, I think the only other thing I would mention, we probably should have mentioned it before. Uh, we are really, Jason Kidd is, is going for these line change, uh, rotations. And I, I don't know, maybe it's, um, you should ask at the next media availability, whether some of it is, I'm trying to think of it. Is it maybe because those guys have practiced as a unit together against the first team and he's trying to like, I don't know, like just use guys who are at least have some familiarity with one another. That's the only defense I can really do because I mean, regularly like this. Oh, there's another something defense. that, you know, is what's that? You don't want to say it though. Jabari can't handle it. Uh, uh, well, but I mean, Michael Beasley can, I mean, that, to me that doesn't really, that's not I'm really just like saying, a, I'm just saying, like those lineups seem tailor made for Jabari Parker. That like those would be the lineups that he would be the man on. And I, I mean, like I said, I'll definitely ask him when he comes back around. And I did kind of want to see uh, if the two fouls that Jabari picked up early on on Wednesday had anything to do with uh, that staggering not happening. And then obviously on Saturday. Uh, he he did it again, and on Sunday, well, he did it again, um, and I. Guess, well, he got on Sunday. Ironically, the, the Jabari getting stitches actually forced him to actually stagger them a little bit, right? I think Jabari yeah. came back at the start of the fourth, and I don't know. He might have had like a bucket or two. Um, and interestingly, I think the bringing Talatovich on Giannis seemed to have a good little spell in the third quarter when Talatovich was on in place of Jabari. Um, and so, I mean, to me, that that would be sort of like the thing that might be interesting to to maybe pull Jabari pretty early in first quarters, get him off off the court. Maybe when Monroe comes on, do like maybe a double substitution where you're bringing, um, you know, and again, not that I love Toledovich and and Monroe, but maybe bring Monroe Toledovich on together, take out you know Plumley or whoever and and Jabari, and then bring back uh, Jabari at the start of the second quarter or something like that. Um, so that he gets to be out there and maybe you overlap him with Toledovich a, a bit as well. Uh, and as you can tell, I'm, I'm basically rigging this up so I can minimize Michael Beasley minutes. Um, it's just been strange to me that 
Because I didn't really think we talked about it with uh, with Jonathan Charks on Friday, um, but I, I didn't really think. I know there's there's always people that are critical of rotations, minutes, etc. But I didn't really think last year that kid struggled a lot to stagger Middleton and Giannis. I thought generally he was he was able to do it pretty well. Would you agree with that assessment? Well, I mean, last year he had the benefit of having three. <laughs> he had three guys, right? Um, and by the way, I, I, I made a comment. I was, I was uh, on the, that podcast. I was uh, trying to figure out. I was trying to remember if Middleton played regular at the start of second and fourth quarters or not at all. I went back and looked. Not at all. Okay, so so they actually had a lot of minutes where Middleton did not play at all. Um, he typically did not play at the start of second and fourth quarters. Um, and I think part of the thing too would have been, especially early in the season, you had. Um, MCW as well, who is more of a, you know, let's uh, generously call him a shot creator, um, <laughs> but like a, you know, a usage guy yeah. at least. So maybe it wasn't as obvious. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, we, it, it was less probably notable or noticeable when, when you had Jabari and uh, Chris and Giannis. Um, so not only could you keep one up at all times, but you could probably usually keep, um, keep two of them for for long stretches. So now it's it's just the opposite. It's it's more obvious um, with with only two of them around. And and yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I mean I think fundamentally, I mean it's just a combination of things, right? I mean uh, if if the only thing that if the only way that Jabari is getting chances is that he's you know having to create an isolation, well that's that's not great. I mean I think yeah. they've tried to get him into the post a bit more in uh, games as they've gone on, um, but usually it seems like a reaction to oh crap, Jabari's not on track let's try to get him a post up I see wanna, if he can do anything i want to talk about that tomorrow i want to talk okay. about what you think is the best way to get jabari parker going because i don't have any ideas um i'm going to think about it for the next 24 hours because i don't know i, I really don't because the bucks in these three games have tried to get him going and I, as much as people want to say that they haven't, there's been post-ups, there's been ISOs, there's been pick and rolls, there's been him as the role man in pick and rolls. There's been a lot of things to try to get Jabari Parker going and they haven't found one yet. Um, so I, I need to think about it more and I would like you to do the same and we can talk about that tomorrow. All right, we'll do it. Um, why don't we stop this one? We've gone on for a while. Um, Hey, three games down, 79 to go. Um, I think there's a lot to certainly critique about the Bucks' performance so far, but as I said, you know, hey, Giannis is putting up 23, nine and five. That's good. Yeah. That, it's it's pretty nice that like that's not even a headline for us anymore. Correct. Like we we can just just bitch and moan about you know all the other stuff and just sort of take for granted that Giannis is putting up 23, nine and five. Um, so we'll come back tomorrow. Think about what you what, if you have any bright ideas for the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't be shy. Uh, <laughs> tweet at us at Brewhoop at Eric underscore name. Uh, of course, subscribe to us if you haven't already locked on Bucks uh, and follow us at Brewhoop.com. And we'll be back tomorrow. And just, you know, think about it. Let's let's be let's try to be proactive. Right. Um, yeah. And, and think about what uh, what what you might suggest to do. Um, and, uh, you know, there's another game on Tuesday against against the, the New Orleans Pelicans who who. Uh, you know, maybe the Bucks should just put five guys on on Anthony Davis in that game. Maybe that would be the, the key. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And uh, yeah, Bucks fans, sleep well. 
Sleep well. Only, only. I don't know. Seventy nine more games is. I don't know if that's scary or 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 a nice thing that we we <laughs> have a chance to actually see this team improve. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll hope for the best, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Take care.